It's time to experience the Synergy Connection Show with your host, Lucy Forsting. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Synergy Connection Show, where we try our best to connect the dots between our physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual selves. You know, 2020 taught us a lot of lessons, and here we are one quarter of the way through 2021, and we still have those same lessons actually being taught. And that's the importance of us taking personal responsibility for our health and wellness. Um, One of the sponsors of the show, Boomers Forever Young, has a link on my website. So if you go to www.synergyconnectionradio.com, you're gonna find their link and you can subscribe to their health newsletter. You can also go in and explore some of their amazing products. Uh, I used, I still use, you know, the majority of them. Uh, Turmeric is one of the ones that is making um, the list these days with a lot of healthcare providers because it does reduce inflammation so much, especially if you get a blend that has pepper in it. But one of the uh, main products that I love that they have is called Gladiator Barley and it's a sprout, it's not a grain, it's harvested in Canada, and uh, people that are even gluten intolerant can use this particular product. It does three things that you need to know about because that's part of the way that we stay healthy. Uh, One is that it reduces inflammation, two is it removes toxins from the body, and three is it rebuilds muscle. And guys and gals, after the age of 50, you lose 1% of your muscle mass per year. So by the time you're 70, you've lost 20% of it, which is the reason so many older people fall is they don't have the muscle mass anymore to hold up their skeleton. And so, you know, you break a hip and it's not gonna be a pretty recovery. Um, I have a friend recently who actually has a friend who broke his femur that way. And this has been a massive recovery for him. So, you know, keeping your muscles strong is really, really important as we age. Um, So anyways, if you do happen to go to the website and you go into it and you feel like, you know, hey, I wanna try the barley, I wanna try some of the other products. If you put my first name in the discount code, L-U-C-Y, then you'll receive $5 off of each and every order. And, you know, in today's world, everything helps, I think. (laughs) Um, All right, I have as a returning guest all the way from Hawaii, uh, and I I know she's loving it there, uh, Jenny Lee. And Jenny's an expert in the field of both yoga therapy and spiritual living. She's taught classical yoga and meditation for more than 20 years. Of course, she started when she was five, right? And um, she coaches private clients. Um, you can reach her at JennyLeeYogaTherapy.com. And she put out a book in 2020 called Spark Change, 108 Provocative Questions for Spiritual Evolution. And she has an exciting announcement to make. So tell them what just happened, Jenny. Hi, Lucy. Well, let me just say, I'm really happy to be back with you. We always have great conversations. And so I'm looking forward to this morning's talk. And um, yeah, so Spark Change was just awarded a Nautilus Book Award, which is a big honor. And I'm very excited to join the ranks of such um, 
well-respected authors as Marianne Williamson, Deepak Chopra, Thich Nhat Hanh, and uh, many, many more. So uh, that, that's been a big fun thing this, this spring is to receive that award. Well, I would think so. You did join the ranks of some pretty awesome individuals. Not that you're not awesome, but <laughs> holy cow, that's, that's quite a, a list of people to join. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. Um, we're going to be talking about relationships today. And uh, you and I were chatting just before the show started um, about whether or not you're asking the right questions, you know, put that, I guess, in quotes, in your relationship because everybody struggles from time to time with a relationship. There's no way that you can't struggle with it. Uh, we are growing as individuals constantly, which means sometimes we grow together and sometimes we grow a little bit apart and then you have to figure out how to get back to that togetherness. So um, the first question that you and I just chatted about was how can I see the best in my partner and I guess I'm going to throw that over to you. How do you find the best? You know, how do you go about doing that? Yeah. So, you know, I think some, I think the questions that we are often asking in our relationships are things like, why is he or she doing that? Or how can I get he or she to stop doing X, Y, or Z? And mm -hmm. there's a lot of focus on changing the other person. Um, and so in my book, Spark Change, there's a whole chapter on love. And so this, this line of questioning that we're going to be talking about in, in relationship to relationships today um, is, is partially in the book. And for me, the important flip is not looking for the change from the other person, but really asking how we're showing up in the relationship. So the one question that you just threw out about... Um, how can I see the best in my partner is so fundamental to maintaining harmony. Um, because if we're always look, looking with critical eyes at, the, at our partner and looking for the things that we want or need them to change, then the focus is very externalized and we are only capable of making change within ourselves. So, the, the shift in paradigm that I, I'm hoping that people will embrace is as I look for the good in the other person, and this would apply in any of our relationships, right? Not just our intimate partners, but in our friends, in our work colleagues, in any stranger that we might have um, contact with, as we're looking for the good in that person, then we create a a foundation of connection from which there is a much greater likelihood that we can work together towards the, the compromises and the changes that might need to happen um, in that relationship. So it's, it's more of an inner shift that needs to happen first. Right, right. I mean, I have heard forever, you know, that the only person that we're capable of changing is ourselves. And, sure. um, and yet it's so easy when I was working with children, you know, a lot of times they would be saying, well, you know, he did this or she did this or mom or dad or, you know, somebody. So the finger was always pointing outward. Right. And I would have them pretend like they were a gun, you know, with their pointer finger out. And I said, now, how many fingers are pointing back? And I know you've seen this before, yeah. but how many fingers are pointing back? And there's three that are pointing back 
you know, at you. And so it's so important to understand that, you know, we can look at somebody else and say, this is driving me nuts. Um, but, you know, there's those three fingers that are pointing back that are saying, okay, what are you going to do, you know, to help bridge that gap, you know, because it's not going to be my way or the highway for either person. There's, there's got to be that collaboration someplace in the middle. For sure. And, you know, culturally, I think we're really living in a time of incredible blame, blame mm -hmm. culture. I mean, we see it in politics, we see it everywhere. It's just the, the problem is always over there with the other, et cetera, et cetera. And mm -hmm. until we start to take accountability and accountability is another chapter in the book, Spark Change, because I'm, I'm very much on accountability as I know you are. Mm -hmm. um, that until we take accountability for our portion of the problem and also our willingness to show up in, in action steps towards the solution, then we're, we're never going to get anywhere. You know, the, right. the blame just gets like mud slung back and forth and nothing ever changes. So when I hear people, um, if I'm working with clients or if I hear someone just t talking at any length of time about the problem, whether that's a, you know, a problem culturally, or if it's a problem in their relationships, since we're talking about relationships this morning, um, that it's, you're, you're focusing on the wrong thing. Don't focus on the problem, focus on the solution. Mm -hmm. And so one of the other questions um, that I ask in Spark Change is, how can I be more thoughtful to this person? And that's sometimes hard for people, if, especially if they're frustrated with their partner, let's say, or with a work colleague to think about, well, why should I be more thoughtful if they're the one doing such and such? Mm -hmm. But really, it's like if you want to become a part of the solution and get out of the problem mentality, it is up to us to change our behavior and an often offering more thoughtfulness or more appreciation or more understanding to that other person who is bothering you will be the very catalyst for the change that you're looking for. Um, I think appreciation, uh, certainly appreciation and thoughtfulness are greatly lacking in the world today. And that the more we pour those into all of our relationships, the, the more harmony and um, goodness that we're going to experience as a result. You know, I was um, watching a program last night that was on PBS and it was about um, the environment and global warming in general. And they were interviewing different people that have been doing significant projects in different parts of the world. And one of them caught my attention in particular because coming from Wisconsin, um, you know, all those years ago, I mean, dairy farming is a huge industry in that part of the world. And they have these little tiny pellets now that they can add to the cow's food that reduces methane gas by about 35%. And so it's really pretty amazing, you know, that this is going on and, you know, can help to reduce everything uh, countrywide. So, um, you know, or worldwide, I should say. Um, but uh, it, it was it was very fascinating that in this process with this program, they looked at uh, accountability. You know, and and a lot of it was you know cost, unfortunately. You know that in a, a political era in a, a worldwide 
post-pandemic era that we've been in, a lot of it still is going to be the basic cost of doing business. And so as much as we have global warming going on and environmental issues going on, who's gonna pay the bill? And I bring that back sometimes to family relationships because you know you have the financial structure within the family of being concerned about finances and uh, who's responsible for what you know today too. And you know I don't I I can you know doing private practice myself I can hear both sides you know kind of saying. Well, if he would not spend his money there, or if she would not spend her money there, then we would be able to get along much better. And, and that is that blaming process. Um, one of the things that I have used fairly successfully, and I don't know whether you're familiar with the Myers-Briggs test, mm -hmm. but I think if, you know, if we're looking at relationships and appreciating, uh, like you said, and thoughtfulness, a part of it is gonna be helping each of them understand their basic personality patterns because your personality is not gonna change regardless of the amount of thoughtfulness you put forth <laughs> or the appreciation you put forth to that other person. Um, your personality is your personality. It's what you come into the world with. And it doesn't really get altered. But if people can understand that they each bring gifts to the table. So like for me, <clears throat> I am a very, um, I'm very intuitive. And I'm very much into my feelings. And I need a partner in my life that is analytical. Because I don't like to mess with the details. You know, I want the big picture. And so if they're willing to cross the T's and dot the I's because that's their thing, I will appreciate the heck out of them. <laughs> and, and that is what you're looking for. The appreciation then comes to, to, in my mind, to real things. And it's like, I truly appreciate your willingness to take over the checkbook. You know, or I really appreciate your willingness to vacuum because I'd rather, you know, be off creating uh, a book, you know, and vacuuming is a detail that needs to be done, but it's nothing I really want to do. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think fundamentally, when we're talking about asking the right questions in our relationships, it's, it's also, are we just looking for how we can work together towards a solution? So granted, there's always going to be some measure of conflict in any human dynamic um, because we are so different and we do come at things from different perspectives and different personalities, like you said, but if the underlying question that a, a couple or a partnership or whatever is holding in, it's not rather than a power struggle of how can I get my way? Mm -hmm. It's how can we work together towards a solution that will be beneficial to both of us. And when two people come together with that perspective, they will find the solution. I, I know it. Yeah, I 100% believe that. I think you have to have that underlying foundation of love and respect for each other. That has to be there. But if that's there, there is a greater willingness to listen. There's a greater willingness to say, I want to collaborate. I want to find a solution as opposed to, no, you just want to have it your way. Yeah. Well, I think people get the egoic personality, the, the ego side of us all is afraid that our needs and desires won't get met. 
And so we're always kind of on the defense or on the lookout for strategizing how to get our needs and desires met. And we, it has to, we have to create a foundation of trust in which we know that both parties are looking out not only for their own best interest, but for the best interest of the other as well. That's that shared, um, shared paradigm of we're in this together. Let's look for the solution together. Let's look for how we can both be taken care of in this scenario. Right. Um, you know, working with families for so many years as I have, I, it's sad because a lot of times I think they wait so long to address you know, some of these core issues that by the time they seek any kind of, of therapeutic resolution, they're ready to throw in the towel. You know, they just are like, been there, done that. I don't want to listen anymore. And yet they've agreed to maybe come in for some therapy sessions. Um, so I, I know one of the questions that I've often asked my own families is, you know, when you first got together, what was it you loved or liked about that other person? Because then that can take them back to that foundation of, yeah, I did love you then, or, you know, I, I saw other things, you know, and then what changed over time. So do you do that in your own? Um, it's, I, I think that's a valuable question because it can reconnect people at, at that point of origin, you know, when they did come together. Mm -hmm. But as you had mentioned earlier, just in our conversation today, I think that the other thing that's really important is our you growing together? Mm -hmm. Are you, do you have the intention of allowing each person to grow at their own pace and in their own way? Because we do all grow and evolve differently. And right. so it's, uh, there's a lot of acceptance that needs to be practiced also that one person might not be growing in exactly the same way. I'm just thinking of a client of mine who's, um, very committed to her personal growth. She does all kinds of programs and um, self-study and is this consumes a tremendous amount of her time. And her partner is really not into any of that, but he's supportive of her doing it. And every so often he'll kind of ask, well, you know, in all those things you're studying, what would they say about such and such? So he, he at least shows an interest and, um, and she accepts that he's, different and he's she's not trying to force her way on him so i think it's there's a, a level of acceptance that needs to happen and just but also that both people are growing together in their own different ways mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um one of the uh, i actually did a series of shows with one of my guests and it was called developing your never-ending love story and so there was a part one two and three and it was the importance of recognizing these divisional uh, areas in our life that we are spiritual beings, you know, intellectual beings, physical beings, uh, emotional beings. And so many times, one or more of those legs of who we are is neglected, you know, so we stop growing in that area. And, you know, I refer to it as you just end up with a wobbly chair or a wobbly table, which can be highly annoying. And so if she's pursuing, you know, her own personal growth um, and he's kind of saying, hey, yeah, go, go do your thing. There may come a point in time where, you know, it is out of balance for both of them because they've not contributed mutually um, to the relationship growing equally. So, you know, hers could be like way up there and elevated in a couple of different areas. 
And, you know, she's talking about the yin and the yang and the, you know, all kinds of maybe things that he's not all that clear about. And she's sort of looking at him going, you know, well, why don't you get it? Um, you know, and maybe, you know, he didn't want to do his work, but he might have learned from her, from her doing her work, you know, show, shown interest in what she was discovering. And I know that the guy that I did this um, three-part program with, Doug teaches yoga and meditation himself. And he was saying that so often his female clients would go home and their spouses would say something like, gee, you know, I feel like we're growing apart. We're not speaking the same language anymore. And his recommendation was, hey, have them come with you a couple of times just so that they begin to see what you're doing. It doesn't mean that they have to participate, but it doesn't make it feel like it's a secret society that you belong to. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. If someone's willing to, um, like this person's partner was willing to at least hear about it and, you know, enter in a little bit. So he has some understanding of what she's involved with, even uh -huh. though he might not choose to hit the same level of involvement, but yeah, that is a great suggestion. Yeah. Well, I know that, um, you know, there were other questions that we were kind of looking at and um, I guess the next one would be, you know, what have I failed to acknowledge or appreciate? So if all of a sudden, you know, you are at that point in your relationship where you're going, I do see the positives. I do see the, the benefits. And yes, they're not exactly like me, but they bring special gifts, you know, to our relationship in the same way that, you know, maybe you're contributing gifts. And um, so you know, what are you seeing within the families that you're working with or the couples you're working with? Yeah, I think we get very complacent in um, our relationships, the quotidian relationships that we're involved with on a day-to-day -day basis. And we almost stop seeing the person that we're with in the fullness of who they are. And so that question around like, what have I failed to acknowledge recently is just like stepping back and seeing the person as if you were just meeting them or um, just getting to know them, like you were dating again and really recognizing all of the facets of what makes them who they are. And often we just sort of get so accustomed to the people who are close to us that we, we forget to appreciate those qualities. Like you said, your partner might be willing or you know, fine with doing the vacuuming while you're off doing a creative project. And that's so sweet you know, when there are mm -hmm. those, those little balances. Uh, but I think it's also easy to just sort of take it for granted, so. Um, you know, the, the taking for granted, I, I'm just thinking back again with myself, um, but you get into a rhythm. I believe, you know, in relationships, whether it's, you know, a year in or, or 40 years in, I, I was talking to somebody actually yesterday and he and his wife have been married for 62 years. I was like, wow, congratulations. That is so amazing. Cause you don't hear that too often anymore. Right. Um, That's a long time. <laughs> that is a long time. But one of the things that was becoming clear in our conversation is she's had some recent health issues. And I think, you know, because of the nature of the relationship, and I don't want to reveal too much, but I think that um, 
her way of getting attention because he'd always been a, a pretty busy person uh, might have been, you know, as she has aged to have health issues that she doesn't really want to address. Uh, it's, it's not that she doesn't go to the doctor, but if the doctor were to say, you need to um, be more active, you need to try and walk a little bit more every day, you know, set a goal of if you can only walk five minutes today, then maybe six minutes tomorrow. So she hears that, but then between the two of them, it becomes more of, well, I'm afraid I'm going to fall or I'm afraid of this or I'm afraid of that. And his response is, you know, you know, more of a supportive, I don't want to say codependent, but, you know, more supportive. So she doesn't have to take the necessary action to maybe be responsible for getting a little bit better. And, um, and I think that does happen in relationships where we fall into these patterns and then it's hard to get out of the habit, the habitual kind of pattern that we're in. And I don't, again, I don't know if you're seeing that with, but because I, I don't think younger ones will do that as much as those that have been together for 10, 15, 20 years or more. You're seeing it with even the younger ones, huh? I think people fall into patterns very quickly. And this is, you know, speaks to that question about what mm -hmm. am I not acknowledging or appreciating? Because right. I, I think we really start these patterns very quickly. And one of the things, um, that I appreciate so much about my husband is that he is so appreciative <laughs> on this, this word. He literally thanks me almost every time I do the laundry. And I, I laugh because I don't even think about it. Like it's just some, it's part of my household chores. And so I do the laundry. It's not like I'm trying to do anything special, but he just always offers that appreciation and is so lovely. Um, and so I, I appreciate him for, for that. And so we have this kind of understanding between us of how important this is. Mm -hmm. um, but I think many people don't have that. And so then they feel very undervalued in their relationships. And like the couple that you were just discussing, then in order to feel valued or seen, maybe then they do something that is not that helpful, really, such mm -hmm. as not taking care of themselves in order to attract that care from their, their other person. Right. Um, and so, yeah, that's unfortunate, but. You know, it'd be really nice if, um, you know, in high school, you know, like, let's say freshman um, students would have a class about communication within relationships. Oh my gosh, we need that so much. Wouldn't that be just amazing? Because yes. then these kind of discussions would be there. I mean, they have this, um, yeah, oh, what is it? The baby, um, you know, that yeah. you have to take care of. And they also have the maternity suit that the guys have to wear that shows 35 pounds of weight that you're carrying around so they can experience that. But gosh, the, the critical part is not there even. It's it's just how do you build a foundation that will allow you to stay together like this man and his wife for 62 years? How do you do that? And I think you do it by learning to listen to each other. And like you said, appreciate each other. Well, the communication, you're right. We just don't have enough education on how to communicate and kids need it from the youngest ages. And certainly in high school and college, there should be more courses on 
human communication for sure. Listening mm-hmm. being a, a number one skill. Um, but also, you know, very rarely do we come to a conversation with anyone that we don't have our own projections and assumptions and expectations. And so all of those things create these filters through which we are really not even seeing the person who's in front of us clearly because we're seeing it through our own, um, well, in the terms of expectations, what we're trying to get out of it. And so it, it creates a, a block to the communication, which is really unfortunate. And so we have to work very hard at learning what our own filters are, what our own assumptions are, what our projections are, and how to not see or hear that other person through those, but rather as the person that they are um, in this moment. Because uh-huh. even we, as we change over the years, we might have an assumption of someone from a year ago, oh, you always do this. Well, maybe they have changed and they're not doing that anymore, but we're still kind of coming in with the assumption that they are. And that's, that's really detrimental to relationships. You know, um, and, and that comment is, is so true because how many times have you known somebody where maybe there was an issue once upon a time, the issue has been resolved, but they keep bringing it back up. Remember when you did blah, blah. And it's like, well, wait a minute, that was a year ago, two years ago. You know, what's the significance of bringing it up now other than, you know, it, it makes hard feelings. Um, and yet I know, you know, people that do it all the time and I don't know that, yeah, I don't know that they do it personally or intentionally, even it's, it's just like, it's still a raw place in their mind that never, ever got released. Yeah. I was going to say, I think it, it probably holds some emotional, um, content that hasn't been fully processed for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, if somebody is bringing up something from the past, a resentment or a hurt or something that, um, they probably haven't been fully heard in their experience of that past action, even though that action is no longer happening now. So it would behoove the couple to actually, you know, take a little time in therapy to go back in time and allow the person to be fully heard in their feelings around that past event so that it can then be released. But once that's happened, if that, if that can happen, um, you know, full and complete way, then they can and should let it go. (laughs) Let it go, right. Um, One of the uh, kind of cool things, but you have to be careful what part of the country you do it in. I know this is done at a lot of funerals where they'll have biodegradable, I I guess they're they're like balloons, but, you know, they decompose. And, um, you know, because you don't want rubber latex running around in fields and things of that nature, wherever the balloons are carried. But to maybe attach, I know several funeral homes that have done this, but attach little messages that are meant for the deceased, you know, to the balloon so that you're not carrying that with you for the rest of your life. And, you know, if it was something that you meant to say, you know, a grievance that you had that you want to forgive let it go, you know, learn to let things go. Yeah, that's, um, that's a beautiful practice. 
and we should not wait till someone has died to do it. (laughs) We should all practice more letting go on a daily basis. And if this past year hasn't taught us anything, I think it has definitely taught us that we need to practice more letting go and non-attachment. Oh my goodness, yes. Well, Thich Nhat Hanh talks a lot about that, you know, and staying um, detached, you know, not to people so much, but detached in a way to the outcomes. Yeah. Um, exactly. And not harboring all of the anxiety that might go along with that or right. whatever else is going along with it. So, you know, well, again, when you're working with somebody, um, when you talk about somebody's higher good, what does that mean to you? Higher good? Well, it goes back to that whose agenda are you working for? Because we all have needs, we all have desires. And sometimes they're in conflict with the people that we are in relationship with. And this really speaks to stepping out of our own um, agenda of working towards getting everything that we want and looking at, well, maybe, okay, for instance, I'll give you a for instance. It'll be easier to explain with an example of a client whose husband has um, early dementia. And she really wants to travel. She, she's young, quite a bit younger. She really has the need to travel. She has the need to see family in other parts of the country, but he is not willing or able to travel anymore. And so his highest good in this case is to stay in his home where he's comfortable and he feels safe and things are manageable for him. And so she's needing to put her own needs and desires down, you know, down a notch, even though they're very valid and she has every right to, to see her family and get her needs met. Um, at this point in time, she's putting his highest good above her needs to needs that she's trying to get met. Does that make sense? It's, it's more of an altruistic um, approach in relationship. Mm, yeah, I, I do hear, like agape, you yeah. know, that, that type of love for someone else. I, I was listening to that and I was thinking to myself, you know, if he isn't too far along in his dementia and she was able to have somebody stay with him so that she could also maybe go and see a relative that she hasn't seen for a while, that might work to meet both of their needs if he isn't too frightened to be without her. Unfortunately, he is. Okay. Yeah. Then, yeah, then she would have to just forego for the time being. Um, Dementia is a, a very wicked kind of an illness because um, there will come a point in time when, you know, he's not going to know who she is either. Yeah. And so it's, it is, it's a, challenging, very challenging situation. Mm-hmm. Especially if she's significantly younger. Cause yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, although it can happen at any age, I guess uh, there's yeah. earlier and earlier diagnoses. In fact, I think they're linking some of the uh, dementia slash Alzheimer's illnesses to uh, chemicals, you know, that have been inhaled and um, a lot of the things that have been on our foods, you know, the genetically modified items as well. 
and what we just didn't know it was going to do, you know, to brains. So yeah. we're learning as we go, I guess. Mm-hmm. What about complaints when somebody, you know, you and I have witnessed habitual complainers in our lives. They aren't happy unless they're complaining about something. Yeah. One of the tricks that I um, do with people and um, is to ask them to reframe their complaints into requests. Mm-hmm. So this puts it into a much more positive conversation. It also empowers them in a different way, both the asker and the receiver of that request. So for instance, if someone, let's just take something super simple, like someone never does their dishes, they just throw the dirty dishes in the sink. And this is driving the the person, the roommate or the spouse crazy. Why, you know, the complaint would be, you never do your dishes. Why can't you do your dishes? Um, make it a request. If you use a dish, would you please just rinse it and put it in the dishwasher? It, it just spins it in a slightly different way. The same thing is being talked about, but it's, it's like another instance that's really common is when little children are running around the pool and parents are like, don't run, don't run. The kids are just going to keep running because all they hear is the run. If you say walk, it's a positive command. So it's a positive request. And I just find that that's a much more effective communication strategy in in any form of relationship is to make a request rather than harping on a complaint. Hmm. Um, I think you and I might have talked about this in the past, but I'm not sure. Um, one of the things that I learned early on when I, you know, began my therapy practice was, um, you know, not to use the word why, uh, because parents, uh, typically will say, why did you do that? Or, um, even to one another, you know, why are you always, and then you finish, you know, the sentence. And instead of doing it that way to ask what we call journalism questions, So it becomes what, when, where, who, and how questions. So I was just thinking, you know, back um, to the child that might be running around the pool, if you walked over to them and kind of took them by the hand and looked at them and said, what were you doing? And then let them answer. And they'll probably say, you know, running to do whatever. And, you know, what would be the reason that I would be concerned? and then let them, and it helps them problem solve, which I think is really, really cool because then you don't get into the lecture mode where they are gonna tune you out for sure, Mm -hmm. but you're asking a question that shows them where you were coming from and it allows them to problem solve it themselves. Well, you were probably worried I was gonna fall and crack my head open. (laughs) Um, What would happen next if that happened? you know, and then they have to process that, you know, what would be a better choice? And they have to process that. And you don't go on for very long with them, but you allow them to slow down whatever activity it was and begin to think about the consequences, but they have to resolve it themselves. You know, what would be a better choice? You know, walk. Yeah. Um, And I'm just thinking of 
the conversation about dishes in the sink, you could say something like, well, how could I, how could we help you remember to get your dishes into the dishwasher or, uh-huh. you know, something that's a, like you were saying, like is a problem solving going back to let's be yep. a part of the solution together yes. paradigm as a basis for a relationship. Um, you know, I know it's hard for you to remember this. So what can we do to help you remember to just get them in the dishwasher or, so yeah, it's it's just a paradigm shift, right? Of um, working together towards solution. I think that's just so fundamentally key. Mm-hmm. Any other yeah. questions that we're asking one another? Right, um, because a lot of times it isn't solution based at all. You know, the, whether it's a, a teacher with a student in the classroom, uh, or you know, two people who love each other it might be more focused on the problem, but not the solution. Right. And so it's a matter- Certainly that, right? Complaints Uh are just focused on the problem. Exactly, exactly. And and what happens, you know, I'm with young people right now, I'm aware of this with my son. He works for a company that has a lot of stress, you know, within the corporate uh, world there. Um, A lot of people have left. They're not replacing them, which puts additional stress on the ones that are remaining to do the work of four people instead of one person. And, um, and yet, you know, there's no solution. It's just pointing out, hey, you, you know, your numbers are not what they need to be. Well, no, because you've given me, <laughs> you know, three other people's jobs. Um, and, you know, you can't, there's not enough time in the day to get the problems resolved. So, I think within families and within relationships, if we can become solution-based as opposed to problem-based, it will go a huge distance in just helping people be less stressed. I mean, the person that's looking at the dishes in the sink, their stress level obviously has gone up a couple of notches because there they are again. Yeah. And um, your husband looks at you doing the laundry as a stressor that isn't on his plate. He has clean clothes in the drawer and he has the ability to um, appreciate somebody who takes this as a natural part of, of her life. You know, that's yeah. one of your jobs. And this circles back to appreciation in the, from the standpoint that the more we appreciate someone for the good that they're doing, the mm-hmm. more likely they're going to continue doing that good. To doing it, yeah. So, and if we, the more the more that we complain about somebody doing something not good, the more they're going to continue doing that. Yeah. And it's just like whatever energy we put, at, we feed at something, that's what's going to perpetuate. I mean, this is basic law of attraction kind of uh, fundamental theory, right? It's like wherever we're directing energy is what we're going to get back. So you direct it towards complaints, you're going to get more of that negative behavior. You direct it towards appreciation, you're going to get more of that positive behavior. So definitely praising someone for good, the good, it goes back to the very first question that we talked about. How can I see the best in the person in front of me? Um, That helps them step more into that highest aspect of self. So, right. Right. Yeah. It's, that's all very, very true. And I guess, you know, a place where we can um, kind of draw our conversation to a close on one last thought is how do you show love unconditionally a little bit more, maybe than what people are currently doing? Again, knowing that our post-COVID world is every bit as stressful in many regards 
as the pre-COVID world was, if not more, um, because we've had to adjust so many things in our lives. And, you know, some of it is not maybe ever going to go back to the way it once was. So how do you bring that unconditional love and regard, you know, into the picture? Well, I don't think any of us can get to unconditional love until we recognize that we really are all in this together and that there is no, we are not separate from one another. We are one integrated whole as humanity on this planet. And all of the separational categories that we have fixated on, whether that be politics, race, um, location, socioeconomic status, et cetera. These are all ways in which we separate ourselves from each other. Mm -hmm. So this is really a, a spiritual paradigm shift in the recognition that we are, we are one humanity and we have to know that our behavior affects everyone and everyone else's behavior affects us. And so in, in thinking about unconditional love, this is obviously a, a very, uh, high consciousness concept. Um, if we're running around just trying to get our own needs met, we'll never be practicing unconditional love. But if we, if we remember that we can't, that it's not just about our needs, that our, 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 the big hour, as in all of us, all of our needs here on planet earth are intertwined, then we can start to move a little bit towards, um, a love that is not just self-serving. Um, and that's a big step. So mm -hmm. I think practicing in the ways that we've talked about today are preliminary steps. And that's the big goal, the ultimate goal. Yeah, I would, I, I think that's absolutely correct. I was just thinking about how many times people do use the word love in a very self-serving way that they um, manipulate For sure. situations, yeah, and use that word to get what they want. And, you know, that's, that's a shame too, because I mean, you know, certainly the Bible and everything else, you know, around us says that love really is the reason we're here, is For to sure. love ourselves, to love one another, to love the planet uh, and everything that's in it and on it. And yet, like I said, with the PBS show that I watched last night about global warming, it's so clear that, um, you know, maybe the love of a job was attached to the paycheck at the end of it, or the love of a particular company, you know, didn't consider the bigger picture or the bigger good of mankind because it only benefited, you know, the immediate people who work there or whatever product they were making. And it's so, so hard to wrap your head around and your heart around, you know, making these changes that have to be made um, to get back to that unconditional love that just says, you know, this is why we're here. But we can all do our parts. And if everyone does their little part, then the whole begins to change. So it, whether that's picking up your own trash or doing your own recycling or just cutting down on the things which use fossil fuels and in your own life, these are all ways in which we contribute. And if everyone just did their part, mm. we would see a massive change really quickly. I think that's true. But, you know, like the show was pointing out so many times, 
that proverbial pointer finger is pointing, you know, if they would do this, then this would happen rather than looking at what maybe each of us can do. And that, you know, comes right back to relationships, whether it's the relationship with another person or, you know, with the world. It's really looking at what is our part towards the solution? How do we collaborate so that everyone ends up getting, you know, what they want in life, which probably is harmony and peace and joy and happiness. Yeah, when we can remember that fundamentally we all do want these same things, mm-hmm. then we start to see that we're not so different. That we're not so different after all. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, it's been fun having you back on the show. And I know you'll be back with me uh, the middle of August or so. Yeah. So, um, and your weather never changes. So you don't really have spring, summer, winter, fall. It's just always nice. <laughs> no, we do. We do have subtle changes. You know, it took me about five years of living here in Hawaii before I got a sense of the cycles of the seasons, but they're definitely here and we're entering our hot season. So I'm sweating over here right now. <laughs> uh, now, how long does your hot season last for? Well, I'd say from June to October. So it's very much like Florida's hot season. Yeah, Yeah. that's what we have moved into. And then our other seasons are condensed, you know, so you Uh get fall, winter and spring kind of squished together in six months. But the hot season is, yeah, yeah. yeah. And the humidity. Yes, the humidity humidity. for sure. (laughs) Well, Jenny, let people know again how they can get hold of you. Sure. My website is my name, Jenny, J-E-N-N-I-E, Lee yoga therapy.com uh jenny lee yoga therapy.com and my books are on in all major bookstores amazon barnes and noble etc any independent bookstores i have three books out spark change which we talked about a little bit today which has a whole bunch of great questions to ask yourself and in relationships and then um, my other two books are called true yoga and the other one is breathing love i like that title breathing love (laughs) i think that's cool um also if uh somebody wants to take a yoga class with you i think you do some of them on zoom don't you so i don't teach physical yoga classes anymore but i do private coaching um it's fairly spiritually focused but it holds yoga philosophy as the basis of of philosophical practice from which i counsel and yes i do do zoom sessions so they can get all the information about my coaching practice on my website Okay. That's what I wanted them to know is that if they want to connect with you that way, it isn't just for, you know, yoga per se, but it, it encompasses everything. So they can primarily coaching. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that is amazingly wonderful. And I hope that you have a fabulous day. It's six hours earlier there than it is here, I believe. Thank you. Lucy. You too. Yeah. So take good care of yourself and we will get back together again in August. Sounds great. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye everyone. Make it your best life. 
Boomers Forever Young is really making a name for themselves as an exciting nutritional company with products that really work. People from all over the country are starting to take notice. Their whole person approach to health and wellness, combined with their unique array of powerful natural health products, are setting them apart from all the other companies in the nutrition industry. Their customers love the one-on-one -on -one free consultations and the results they experience. Sound a little too good to be true? Then go online to boomerboost.com today and sign up for a free consultation with a product specialist or just give us a call at 1-800-861-4609. Again, that's boomerboost.com or call 1-800-861-4609 to join the thousands already experiencing the benefits of Boomers Forever Young products.